All right, well, it's good to be back with you guys this week. I had an exciting week last week. I was in Guatemala working with our Guatemalan partner down there, and we have some exciting news we'll talk about here in a few weeks with some stuff going on down there. Uh, and then last weekend, I was at Railbird, and I got to see Tyler Childers and Zach Bryan and Weezer and the Head and the Heart. And so I wasn't with you guys. I prayed about it to God. He said it was okay. And so uh, I wasn't here. And so, but we brought in Johnny Mack, and I hope you guys that were here got to enjoy him. He's one of my lifelong friends, and we're going to bring him back in eventually, but he was great from what I've heard. And this week, I'm heading down to White Mills. I'll be spending a week down there uh, teaching a bunch of middle school students, and so I've got a crazy kind of uh, couple weeks that have happened. Uh, Next week is Father's Day, so don't forget to come to Journey. If you're a dad and you come to church next week, each service we're going to be giving away portable Blackstones. And so just for coming here, you're going to get a chance to win a portable play. Yeah, see, guys are like, I might go to church. And so, uh, so we got some of that. Uh, and then this beautiful table, a lot of people have been asking about it, uh, that Steve O'Keefe built for himself. And then uh, we stole it from him. And uh, so, uh, but we got an announcement about this table uh, next week that you don't want to miss. And so we'll be talking about that um, some well. So if you're new again, we're glad that you guys are here. My name is Jeremy. I'm one of the ministers here. And so we're so excited you guys are here. We're in the middle of this series called Pilled. And we have been looking at the fruit of the Spirit. There's these words that Paul gives us in Galatians that are kind of these ideas of ways to know that God is working in your life. And so we are just kind of going through those one by one. We started with love, and then last week Johnny Mike covered joy. And today we are going into the word peace. So to open us off, I want to read uh, a poem that was written by one of my favorite Kentuckians, if not my favorite Kentuckian that's ever lived. He's a guy named Wendell Berry. Uh, if you don't know who Wendell Berry is, I don't know if we can be friends. And so, just kidding, Wendell Berry uh, wrote this, it's called Peace in the Wild Things. And here's what it says. When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound and fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on water, and the great heron feeds. I come unto the peace of the wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the day blind stars waiting with their light. For a time I rest in the grace of the world and am free. And so peace is this thing that we all kind of want. And we all, we read that and I love that poem. And it's one of these things where we kind of want that. Like we want this moment where we're free and we feel the goodness of life and we feel the goodness of this world and the goodness of the gifts that we've been given. And so we want these moments of peace. But the reality is for a lot of us, they're few and far in between. Because the other side of this is that there's a lot of tension in life. Right? And there's a lot of things that happen to us that rob us of our peace and rob us of our joy. And so the question is, how do you maintain hope and peace in a world at times that seems so hopelessly broken? And so let me just throw out some scenarios to kind of make sure we're all thinking along the same lines. And so if you've ever kind of placed your faith or your hope in something, and that thing or that someone um, let you down and kind of your sense of stability, your sense of security came crashing down with it, then that can rob you of the peace that you have. Or if you ever stood at an altar and said, you know, until death do us part, and then he or she decided it wasn't going to be death do us part. It was going to be until something or someone came along that they wanted more. Or if you've ever sat in a doctor's office and the words that they speak about you or about someone you love just cut through the deepest parts of your being. Then you understand this idea that we all have to manage this tension that we feel of trying to hold on to peace in circumstances that none of us would sign up for. 
If you haven't found yourself managing this tension before, just get ready because it's coming at some point, right? So uplifting. Aren't you glad you came to church, right? And so um, maybe you've, it's, it's not that. Maybe it's this idea that you've had where you felt like, what's the point in trusting people? Or what's the point in loving people? Or what's the point in committing when people's commitments don't really mean anything anymore? And they're going to let you down. So if you ever found yourself saying, what's the point? Or you found yourself wrestling with this idea of trying to hold on to peace because you're going through some stuff. And some of us in this room, we're going through some stuff right now, like this season of life, and maybe we've never told anybody or voiced it, but we're just, we're feeling a lot of stuff, and there's a lot of stuff that feels like it's kind of coming crashing down on us. And then guys like me, we get up every Sunday, and we say, like, keep your chin up, and like, keep going, and you're like, shut up, dude, like, just, like, come on, man, you don't know what I'm going through. And so, maybe that's where some of us are at. So peace... It sounds nice, but it seems like it's a far reach. Now, this book that we're given, and it's not just a book, it's a collection of books and letters and poems that we call the Bible. What we have to understand about this book that we've been given and this collection of books is all of the stories and all of the narratives that are written, for the most part, as we read them, are the lives and narratives and stories of people who face uncertainty. They themselves face this tension of hoping that everything's going to be okay, of searching for peace amidst the times when they're not sure that it's actually going to be obtainable. See, we read the Bible, and we always read it on this side of history. So we know how many of these stories play out. We know what happens. We know kind of how the thing kind of ends. And so all of this thing, and so we dismiss kind of this tension that these people face that they're writing about in these texts. These are real men and women who in the moment they didn't know how things were going to work out. And they were facing a lot of the same tensions that you and I face that rob us of peace and joy. In fact, I would say this, if you as a family or just as a person, but even ourselves as a nation and as a culture, if you face uncertainty and feel this discontentment and this longing for peace and hopelessness that we often feel in life, that's why you put your phone on silent. I just got a phone call. Um, Here's the thing is, hopefully that wasn't important. Um, Here's the thing is that um, it can rob you of that. And so we have this place that we can run to in the Bible where we can run to these stories, this unfolding story. All of the Psalms and the Proverbs that you read, all of these Bible verses that we put on coffee mugs and April wears on our t-shirts and all these things, like these are all great things, but these were written by men and women who faced extreme uncertainty and were often themselves felt like they were robbed of peace. This is not a book that we're given where everything works out exactly the way that the people always hoped. And it's not always this kind of wrinkle-free life where everything goes well and everybody lives happily ever after and there's no divorce and there's no tension and there's no arguing and everybody just gets a puppy in the end. Like that's not the book that we're getting. Every single narrative, everything that we draw hope from comes from people who face troubled times. So today I want to look specifically at some words that a man once wrote. Now, this man that wrote these words, it's really important to know his backstory. Because if we don't know the backstory of this man that wrote these kind of timely words, the problem is we would be very easy to dismiss him. And the reason we would dismiss him is because when we read what he actually kind of spoken or wrote down, what would happen is we'd say, well, the problem is this guy just hasn't lived enough life. This guy hasn't experienced what we've experienced. He doesn't know the pain and the hurt that can take place in life. And so we might kind of write him off as he just doesn't understand life. So this guy, about midway through his life, 
maybe even a little bit past midway through his life. So I'm 40 years old. So, you know, the halfway point, they say, or whatever. So imagine being 40 years old, and all of a sudden, everything that you thought you knew and everything that you thought you believed all of a sudden gets turned on its head. And you have to abandon almost the entire way of life that you grew up with. And what's difficult for this guy is the life that he had lived to this point was a life of power and influence and prominence. And as we know, that's really hard to walk away from, even if we know it's the right thing to do. And so he has to walk away from this. And the problem is when he walks away from this, it creates all of this tension with all of these people that, that also themselves were still a part of that type of life and kind of lived that life. And, and so he walks away from that. But the, the other problem with this guy is you got to understand that the life that he lived, the power and prominence and influence, um, anytime you live a life like that, you, you actually can sometimes hurt other people. And this guy, he's hurt a lot of people. And so now his life is kind of changing and he's kind of going through this kind of motions of trying to make peace with a lot of people that he's actually hurt in the past. And as you know, that's a very difficult thing to do. And so he feels all of this tension inside of him. And then he kind of goes away and when he goes away, he goes to places that he's not familiar with. Um, it, it's a different world that he kind of walks into. And, and so he's trying to show these people a new way to live and a new life. And so he's trying to be positive and he's trying to help people. The problem is that the way he's trying to help people, um, it rubs some people the wrong way. And so some people don't like this guy. And so now he has this whole new tension he's got to deal with where there's a lot of people that just don't like this guy and they want to see him gone. And they eventually get to the point where they actually kind of bring charges against him. And so eventually, um, he causes enough conflict with the people around him that they decide that they're going to arrest him because he's causing too much problem. And so they put him on a ship one day, and on this way on the ship, this ship gets lost at sea, and it, it wrecks, and people don't even know if he's still alive or what's going on. And after a period of time, they eventually find this guy. And so, I mean, he, he's not living a good life at this point. And they eventually find this guy, and they imprison him. And, and, and what happens is they take him to this prison, and, and in this prison, he has to wait almost two years for the trial to decide whether he's going to be innocent or guilty. During that time when he's imprisoned, um, that whole time, he continues to write letters to people. And in these letters, he tries to encourage people to not give up and to, to hold on to hope. And if anybody had, had a moment where they could kind of be like, you know what? I mean, let's be honest. If you're in prison, your life is not going the way you hoped, right? And so here he is in this moment, he's trying to encourage people. This guy would go on to say that, you know what, I've been stoned and not like the Bob Marley fun kind. Like they actually tried to kill him. And, and the way they did it was they would throw rocks at him. And in this particular example, we know that they pushed him off a cliff and dropped a rock on him, like a large rock thinking that he would die. And so his followers go to try to follow, find him. And when they find him, they find that he's still alive and they pull him away. And so he's almost been murdered and executed. And we know that when he was arrested, he was whipped and beaten. And he's arrested multiple times. And eventually we know that he's waiting for trial for two years and then one day after the end of this period of time a guy comes up to him and takes him for a walk and he walks him down this road and takes him out into the middle of this field and they kill him and, and so when we see this guy's life I mean if anybody could find discontentment from his circumstances if anybody had faced things that might be robbing him of peace or he might be struggling with peace like this guy would be the guy like he faced things that you and I can't even imagine 
And so in that context, we understand that when Paul writes his letter to the Philippian church while he's imprisoned, he says these words to them. He says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, which isn't really helpful, is it? Right? Like, that's, that's not super helpful just to say that. Now, so with this word anxious, like, it's obviously a word that we're very familiar with in our culture and in our context. And, and, and so anxiety can rob us of our peace, and we all know that. And, and so um, the question is, what causes anxiety in us? And so anxiety can kind of be broken down into four, four different categories, okay? And, and because I went to Bible college and I like all the words to start with the same letter, here, here's what they are. So um, the first thing that robs us of our anxiety, and all the anxiety you face can be kind of found themselves in one of these four categories. The first one is place. And what I mean by place is that you're in a season of life um, where maybe you thought you'd be further along, or maybe you're in a season of life, you're in a place in life where you thought it would be different, or you're kind of in this place where there's all these kind of circumstances around you that are just causing this stress and this anxiety. So, so some of us, we just find ourselves in a place in life right now where, where there's just all these overwhelming things. The second thing that, that we often don't talk about is that for some of us, one of the big anxiety causers is the pace of life that we're trying to live. We're going 120 miles an hour. We're, we're living in this, this world where we're always, I mean, I got kids. I mean, there are seasons, especially like soccer season, I don't have any free time. Like, it's like I work all day, go to soccer, coach soccer. I got soccer games, and then you got to figure out how they're going to eat. And so we end up eating fast food, which negates the whole soccer thing. And then we're doing all of this. And, and then you got it Thursday night services and then Sunday services and so all this stuff. And so we're living at this pace where it's just nonstop. And it's just we're going and we're going and we're going. And we're trying to figure out how we're going to fit it all in. And then you add the idea that, that we have these things. I don't have mine. I left it at my desk, but I have it on my watch because I just got a phone call on it. And, and we have these little devices, and, and people have access to us 24-7, and it's not healthy, just so you know. It's not good. So it's a pace that we live. And then there's the idea of just problems. It's not necessarily the place that you find yourself in or the pace of life. It's just problems that just pop up, things that you weren't ready for. Things that just, they just come out of nowhere. It's the diagnosis from the doctor. It's, it's the thing where you've been at this company for 15 years and all of a sudden they're like, look, we got to downsize because of the economy and all of these things. And so now you're looking for a job and you're trying to figure out how to make ends meet. And so there's all these problems that you just pop up that we have to deal with and it causes anxiety. And then there's just people. And people are the worst, aren't they? Right? And it's okay because I'm a people too and so are you. So we're the worst sometimes. But, but people can cause problems and people can, can do things and say things and cause us to feel things that, that cause all this anxiety. And, and so Paul says whatever it is that's causing your anxiety, whether it's the place, the pace, the problems, or the people, whatever it is that's robbing you of our peace. Here's what he goes on to say. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, when I first read this, my first thought was like, seriously, Paul? Like, prayer? Like, you expect us to say that because it's church, right? You know, like, oh, I've got all these problems, so I'll just pray about it, okay? Can I just, like, take my pastor hat off for a second and just like, does that really work? Like, that you're feeling all of this stress, and just, we'll just pray about it. And your response, if we're honest sometimes, is pray about it. What do you think I've been doing? I've prayed more about this than I've ever prayed about anything in my entire life. 
And so this idea, at first it comes off as not helpful advice, and it's this idea of, okay, first of all, Paul, you said don't worry. Now, if you're a worrier in this room, don't raise your hand, don't worry, I won't ask you to because I know you're already anxious about it. So here's the thing. Um, If you're a worrier and somebody like me comes along and tells you, don't worry, have you ever been like, you know what, I've just never thought about that before. You know what, I'm just, you know what, you're so right. I'm just not going to worry about it. That is the best advice I've ever gotten. No. See, what you go is you go, don't worry about it. You should be worried about it. Do you not know what I know? And all of these things start to happen. And, and so he says, don't worry about it. So that's not really helpful. And then he says, we'll just pray about it. And we're like, okay, well, I know I'm supposed to be praying about it. And I should pray about it. But, but, but come on. But here's what Paul says. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. Your marriage situation, your job situation, your school situation, your money situation, your friendship situation, your health situation, your kids situation. You got those things, those kids? They told us it was going to be fun. And uh, that's what they said. But I'll be honest with you. Since I've had kids, I've been more worried and stressed (laughs) than I've ever been. And not because of them, but for them, right? Right? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, again, we've already said, Paul, come on, like, I've already been praying about this. Like, what do you think I've been doing? But there's something interesting in that language that Paul uses. So he says, make your request known. Um, And so that word known there is a very interesting word in in the Greek language. It's actually a very powerful word. Um, And it doesn't mean just like talk about it. Like the word that's used there is the same word that we would use if we're going to fully reveal or expose or just for a second, go with me. Um, it can also be used for like nakedness, like that there's nothing covering anymore. And so Paul says what you have to do is make really known to God the real desire of your heart. Like what's really going on? See, we, we, we do this in life, and maybe you do it with God. Um, we stay surface about everything. Like, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. You know, busy, but good. And inside, like you're crumbling, right? So what's the thing behind the thing? Like God's saying, like, come on, make known to me what's really going on. So, for example, like, God, I want you to heal them because you know somebody that's sick that you love. And, and so that's one way to present it. But, but that idea of making it known is like we're not just going to stop there. Like, like, God, I want you to heal them. Well, why? Because to be honest with you, I don't know what I would do if they don't get healed. I feel like my life might fall apart. God, I think that they might leave me. Well, okay, okay, well, we'll pray about that. But, but why are you so worried about that? Because to be honest with you, God, like if they leave me, I don't know what to do next. And so it's like this idea of you're exposing the deepest parts of you, the parts that we try to cover up. Here's what I want, God, and here's why I want it. And, and the reason that I want this is because just so you know, here's what I actually fear might happen. And here's what I might fear might happen to me and my family. And here's what I, I fear might happen. And so it's this idea of you're, you're fully revealing. Like there, there's nothing covered anymore. There's nothing. You're, you're bearing it all to him. And so he says that you go to God and you tell him what you need. And you, you open up maybe in a way you've never opened up before. And, and then here's what he says. And this is really important. In verse 7 he says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. 
Now, I want to leave that there for a second because I think it's really important what Paul says. Paul doesn't say that if you go to God and you make known everything in your heart's desire that he's going to give you everything you wanted. He doesn't say that all your circumstances are going to work out. But he does offer peace. And so what we're talking about here is we're talking about this peace that we can have when things don't go the way that you'd planned. What we're talking about is the peace that God offers when you did pray and pray and the test results came back no good. When you did pray and you prayed and they still died. When you prayed and you prayed and you still didn't get it. When you prayed and you prayed and they still didn't change. When you prayed and you prayed and they didn't come back home. See, see what he's offering is something different. And, and see, so we read that. And let's just be honest, and then we say the peace of God which transcends all understanding, because see, what, what somebody else might say is, well, well, how can you have peace in this? Because it didn't go, and they did pass, and, and they did leave, and they didn't come back home, and so how do you have peace? And, and so that's where the word transcends all understanding comes into place, because see, some of us in this room, better than I could ever explain, could get up and say, you know exactly what we're talking about here. That there was this thing, and it was just killing you, it was destroying you. And then you took it to God, and you continue to take it to God. And even though it didn't work out, there was still this peace. See, that's the fruit part. It's this idea that someone comes along and, and they ask you, you know, because that's what we want to know. Like when someone goes through stuff, we're like, are you okay? And we're asking them because we know whatever they just went through, like we don't expect them to be okay. But every once in a while, there's people that have experienced this peace, and, and they go, you know what? I think I am. Like, like, I think we're going to be okay. And, and this is the part, too, just so we're all on the same page, that the reason we have to understand that it transcends understanding is because this is the part when people look at us, and with logic and reason, they say, how do you get there? And sometimes we just can't explain it. So he says, what I will offer you is Peace. And so what, what Paul says next is, is something that is probably one of the most commonly used um, verses in the Bible. Now, we take it way out of context. So, so we've always thought this verse is about winning like Super Bowls and throwing touchdowns and all this stuff. But it, it's not the context of the verse. So to set up the verse, here's what Paul says. He says in verse 12, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. And, and so Paul's acknowledging like there's seasons in life. There's seasons in life where it's easy to find peace because everything is going the way that you hope. But then there's other seasons where there's all of these needs and these desires of our heart. And he says, I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. And so he says, do you want to know the key to having peace and we're like yeah because we want to be content we want to be okay we want to be at peace see paul's knows something that we often forget before we see what he says and, and here's what we often forget and, and to be honest with you maybe guys like me and maybe even i have not always communicated this the best and to be honest with you there's certain guys that do what i do that just outright don't tell the truth and, and here's what you need to know jesus and god never promise that he'll always heal us and there's no promise that he wouldn't give, always give us everything that we wanted. And he didn't promise us that it wouldn't be hard. In fact, right before Jesus goes to the cross and faces an unimaginable situation, he looks at his disciples, he says, in this world you will have trouble. But there's this famous psalm that we often read at funerals and, and times when people are going through some hard stuff. And it says, 
though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, because that's like the big one, right? Like that's like the big thing we're all worried about and anxious about for us and ourselves and our kids and our family. But, but the writer says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. It's a shepherding song. He did not promise that we wouldn't have to walk through it, but he did promise we wouldn't have to walk through it alone, that he would never leave us or forsake us. And so because of that, Paul says this, verse 13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And so the question that we have to ask for all of us as individuals is, what is, your, what is your all this? Your all this is the thing that's robbing you of your joy and your peace. And so I can do all of this. Well, it's going to look different, but, but here's the thing. What is your all this? And here's what you have to do. You have to name it. You have to say it. You have to write it down. You have to take your all this, whatever it is, and you have to go before God. And with repetition and thanksgiving, you have to present it fully to him. And just so you know, there will be plenty of all this in life. And the all this that you face right now and tomorrow may not be the same all this that you face next year or the next season of your life. But here's the question. Do you believe that you can make it through him? Through whatever it is that you're about to face. Years ago, I was seeing a counselor. It's the same counselor I was seeing. It talked about a couple weeks ago. His name's Dave, and Dave's since passed on from, from cancer. Uh, one of the smartest guys I've ever met. And, and I remember we were talking one day uh, about some stuff, and, and um, we were just kind of working through some stuff. And we got to this point where he just starts asking me these questions. And again, a good counselor will get you talking about stuff you had no plans of talking about. And, and so, um, so we're talking through this stuff, and I remember like he's, he's kind of helping me try to see this path. And eventually, I'm like, you know what? Dave, I know that I can do all this with him. I know what the Bible says, right? And he stops me and he goes, what did you say? And I said, I can know I can do all things with him. And he goes, he goes Jeremy, I'm not trying to tell you, you know, what you probably already know, but, but he says, um, you know that's not what it says. And I said, what? And he goes, you just said you would do it with him. But it says you have to do it through him. And just so you know, there's a difference. It's not like, oh, I'm just going to get through it because I'm a Christian. Paul says, you got to do it through him. And it's when you reach sometimes the end of yourself and realize you can't do it any other way. See, Paul understood this difference. And, and so because he was willing to do these hard things through Jesus, he, he was able to later write to us this idea that though outwardly we are wasting away, that inwardly we can be renewed day by day. Now, some practical stuff as we wrap up, because I need to wrap up, some practical stuff. Um, you see, here's the thing, and here's why we talk about this. And I know this isn't like the happiest sermon you've ever heard, but, but here's the reality of the situation. There's not a person in this room right now that couldn't get a phone call or a text message that would just turn your world upside down. And you wouldn't even be expecting it. I've gotten those calls. And so let me start by asking a real harsh question and a kind of morbid question. So when we think about life and all the stuff that robs us of our peace, let me ask you a question. What's the worst thing that could happen to you? Now, the worst thing that could happen to you, and this is why it's a morbid question, is that we would, we would die, 
Like that's the worst thing. Like that's the end of the road. That's the thing. And maybe even a step up above the, the worst thing could happen is we die is the worst thing that could really happen is that someone would kill us. I mean, it, it's, like, it's like this horrible idea. But, but so let me ask you a question. Um, what happened to Jesus? Jesus was, was killed in the worst way imaginable for everyone to see. He literally faced the worst thing that a human being could face. And three days later, he's sitting on a beach having breakfast with some of his friends. It got me thinking, what if the point of all of this, when I mean all of this, all these stories that we study and all these things that we see, what if the point, one of the points of Jesus' life is to remind us and to teach us that the worst thing that could possibly happen could actually happen. And you might still be okay. So some thoughts. First thing you have to realize is when you go through a season of turmoil and tension, um, and it, it may not be easy to hear this right now, but, but the first thing you know is that your heart will heal. Now, it may not heal tomorrow, and it may not heal next week, and it may not even heal in the next season. It may take 2, 10, 20, 50, but given enough time, our hearts can heal. And there are people that could get up here and tell you stories of the things that they face that they never thought they'd get past. Now, their hearts were never the same, but they did heal. There's this great psalm. We don't know if David wrote it or if it was another psalmist, but it says this, and maybe you're familiar with it. Psalm 42 says, As the deer longs for the streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for the God, the living God. Where can I go stand before him? Day and night I have only tears for food with my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking. And here's the one. Is I remember how it used to be. You ever been there? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? And then the psalmist, he turns it. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again. My Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. And I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. And, and here's what I love about that verse. So um, I've made this known to you guys. Like my favorite place in the world is, is the beach. And, and I'll eventually end up there. Not tomorrow, but eventually. And uh, so I love it. And, and so what's crazy is when you go down to the beaches in Florida, it's like sand and all that stuff. But if you go to the beaches on the coast, like there's rocks and stuff. And we got a creek that runs through our backyard. And, and so the cool thing about water is that is you see the water and you see the tide and it keeps crashing and crashing, or as you see, like in the creek, this idea of the water running over the rocks. See, th those rocks, what's interesting about them is, is they once started off as jagged and fractured and sharp. And when you go through something, sometimes that's what your heart becomes, is jagged and fractured and sharp. But as that water starts to beat and starts to pour over what eventually happens is that rock that was once jagged and sharp becomes smooth again. Is it possible that your heart could do the same thing? And he goes on to say in verse 8, but each day, which is a reminder that you have to take it one day at a time, each day 
The Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. Your heart can't heal. Secondly, I need to do something that you're not going to want to do, but just do it for fun, for me. Um, I just say everybody take a deep breath. Ready? One, two, three. It's estimated that we get 80 to 90% of the energy that we need to live from our breath, which means that as long as you could breathe, there's still life, regardless of what you faced. And as long as there's life, there's hope. So as long as you got breath in those lungs and you can keep doing that, there's still an opportunity for peace. And then lastly, not only do we have the idea that our hearts can heal and we still have life in our lungs and life in our, our, our hearts and our minds, um, the second thing is you're not meant to do any of this alone. Uh, Paul, at the end of his letters, including this letter that we just kind of read through, um, at the end of his letters, he'll, he'll go through and he'll thank all of these people who have helped him. And these people that have helped him, even though he's going through unthinkable circumstances. See, Paul often realizes and tries to remind us that we're not alone in anything that we face. And so a quick little exercise, and again, you're not going to do it, but just appease me. Um, so here's the deal. I'm going to ask some questions. And if you, or you, somebody you love, so you or somebody you love is experiencing one of these things or has experienced it, just raise your hand. And I know some of you are not going to do it high, and that's fine. Just participate. Do a thumbs up if you have to, okay? So, so here's the thing. Um, if you or somebody you know has ever faced depression or anxiety, How about family problems? Yeah, it's all of us. How about cancer or disease? How about financial stress? If you don't have your hand up, if you could just get a blank check and just hand it up, we'll just, <laughs> we'll pass that around. So many people affected by just a few words. And not a single person's hand stayed down. See, we all face this. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to carry each other's burdens. And, and so one of the things that the Bible tells us is that we're supposed to pray for each other. And so like, even if you don't know the person next to you, um, you, you have a task now, and that's to pray for that person. Because they're facing some stuff. And it's okay if you're not a good prayer. Some of the best prayers is, please, God, just give me strength. Please, God, just give me peace. There's this great quote I want to end on. It's by Rob Bell. Here's what he says. The peace that we are offered is not a peace that is free from tragedy, illness, bankruptcy, divorce, depression, or heartache. It is a peace rooted in trust that the life Jesus gives us is deeper, wider, stronger, and more enduring than whatever our current circumstances are. Because all we see is not all there is. And the last word about us in our struggle has not yet been spoken. So may you never forget that whatever you're going through, the last word has not been spoken. There's a picture that somebody gave us a long time ago, and it sits right above our toilet, which is weird, I know. But every morning when I go to the bathroom, I see this, this, this picture, and, and in this picture is this verse, and it's just this daily reminder for me, but here it is for you. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all the joy and peace in believing so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to end on prayer, and here's what I, I want to say. Um, if you raised your hand a few seconds ago, or moments ago, and, and it was about you, not about somebody you know, 
We're just going to pray for you. All right? So let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we pray for, for peace. We live in a world that robs us daily, weekly, seasonally of our hope and our joy and our peace. But your word promises that you are the God of peace. And so God, in these next few moments, I pray for the hearts and the minds of us in this room that that still, quiet voice can speak to us. God, that we can know that we're loved and we have value and worth. And God, in spite of all of the things that seem to come crashing down on us, and God, in spite of the jaggedness and the fracturedness of our hearts, God, that peace is possible, and it comes from you. God, your word says that you are the Lord of peace, that you'll give us peace at all times in every way, and so God, we just pray for that. We love you, and we thank you. In your son's name we pray, amen. Time we celebrate communion. And so here in a second, we just give you some time to kind of stop and reflect and think. And so there's communion around the room if you haven't grabbed it. And so the band's gonna lead us in some worship. And so we just ask that whenever you're ready, you participate.